Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We all know it. If it's temptation, it's a bad thing. If I could know all my temptations ahead of time and if I could institute protective and defensive measures against them, I would be forever free. And I don't just mean temptations that you see and know to be wrong, but those that come upon you suddenly. And before you could start your defense mechanisms, they have already happened. You and I cannot know all our temptations ahead of time and prepare against them. And even knowing and believing the whole of the Bible as we do, and especially believing in Jesus does not make temptation something in the past. Jesus was not tempted, so you will not be tempted. He was not tempted, so every single time you are tempted, you will overcome. He was tempted to overcome for you. He was tempted so that when you fail to overcome temptation, you have the one who overcame the worst temptations ever to turn to. He loves you in spite of your temptations and failures. So that when you fail and take them to him, he will forgive you because his victory is your victory. He gives it to you without conditions. He knows our human condition and the desire of Satan to get us off track and imply that by our failure to overcome a particular temptation, we are too far gone to be loved by Jesus. But although Satan may put into our minds that the only thing we deserve is punishment and a complete rejection by God, he does not hold the power of judgment. With Jesus' victory, he went to work proclaiming the good news. When he tells you to repent, he wants you to recognize your failures, not so he can rob them in, but so you can come to him who won a total and complete victory over the evil one for you. And he will give his victory to you. By his victory, he is assuring you that when you acknowledge your wrongdoing and wrong thinking according to his commandments, he is ever ready and willing to forgive you because he entered into battle for you and won for you. Mark doesn't mention even one of the three temptations we know about from Matthew and Luke. He simply says Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He also has something unique in his gospel about Jesus' temptation. Jesus was with wild animals, and angels attended him. You will notice that Jesus was driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. God was taking the fight to Satan, and Satan did not even seem to be aware of it. In fact, he thought he was in charge. It is something he has always wanted to do and still does. He wants to take the place of God by lies, by attractions, by fears, by distractions. He tried that on Jesus, but did not meet with any success, not even a little. But perhaps, in not saying anything specific about the temptations of Jesus, Mark has said it all. Up till today, when most, most of us hear about the temptation of Jesus, we think there were only three. But think about the fact 
that Jesus was in the desert for 40 days being tempted by Satan. In my humble opinion, Mark's account allows for the fact that Satan threw every temptation he could imagine that is common to humanity and unleashed all of them on Jesus. And he did that when Jesus would have been weak because he did not eat food for so long and could be vulnerable to temptation. But he failed completely. Jesus was confronted with all the temptations you can imagine in this world and overcame. And he did that for the world. He did that for you. Although Satan is powerful and knows many things, he does not know everything. He did not know that God, the Holy Spirit, had led Jesus into the wilderness for the purpose of confronting him and winning victory for all of humanity. People have sometimes wondered whether or not it was necessary for Jesus to undergo this temptation by Satan in the wilderness. People still do. Why couldn't God just say, I've already finished with you. I'm not going to allow you to get close to my son. You are already condemned. We will never know. Just as we will never know why God allowed this same Satan to come into his presence and allowed him to torment Job. What we know for certain is that even as he allows Satan to come close to his children with all kinds of temptations and troubles, he does not allow him to win the ultimate victory. That ultimate victory belongs to Jesus, and he has graciously shared that victory with you as if it's yours, as if you want it. It is amazing, the grace of God, the love of God for you. Concerning many of the things Jesus did while living on this earth, he often said they were necessary. For example, it was necessary for him to be baptized. It was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem. It was necessary for him to be humiliated. It was necessary for him to be crucified and buried, but to rise again on the third day. It was necessary that he return to heaven. Why were all these necessary? Because they were all part of God's plan to save the world. It was God, part of God's plan to save you and me from ourselves and from our sins. Someone may ask, if Jesus was indeed God in the flesh, why couldn't he just stand up on some holy mountain like Sinai and declare in a booming voice that the sins of the whole world has been forgiven? That would be part of Satan's temptations, for he has not given up trying to get people to let people only see Jesus in his power, only doing mighty works and not having to suffer. Sin, disobedience, living only for ourselves, always has eternal consequences, consequences which none of us can bear, but with Jesus by his temptation and going to the cross has borne for us. There is no lack of sin in the world today. There is certainly no lack of sin among God's people, the Christians. Greed, the longing for material possessions or wealth, sometimes at the expense of others. Gossip, the temptation to speak unkindly about others or spread rumors. Doubt, moments of questioning our faith. Worry and anxiety, feeling overwhelmed by life's challenges and uncertainties. Prioritizing personal happiness over God. Focusing on immediate pleasure rather than on God's will. 
If you think about the temptations which Mark does not list, but which we know from Matthew and Luke, it's about selfishness. Command these stones to become bread to feed you. Jump from the pinnacle of the temple. God will send his angels to catch you. Fall down and worship me. I'll make you king of the world. Satan was telling Jesus to make everything about himself and not to care about anyone else. Selfishness. It plays the whole of humankind to varying degrees. We can justify it and not call it selfishness because that would be too negative and too strong a word. Certainly not what we do, we might say. Taking care of ourselves and our needs is more like how we would characterize it. It is important to take care of ourselves, we might say. It is easy to try to rationalize everything. Yes, we might say, we might say and do and give something to support various noble causes. We may give, but not so much as to hurt ourselves and reverse the situation where we become the ones in need. Compare that to Jesus. He gave his all. He gave himself. He gave his life as if to make your life more important than his. Yes, he, the son of God, gave his all in order to make you his own, a child of God. So the consequences must apply to us as well, and they do. But thank God, the eternal consequences of sin have been taken care of by Jesus. That is important because only the faithful believers in Christ are going to live forever in peace and joy when Christ returns. The rest, unfortunately, will not, unless they too hear the call of Jesus to them and follow him. The issue of temptation goes back a long way, very long way, all the way to Adam and Eve, when they were tempted by Satan to disobey God, and they did. God had a plan right away to rescue his sinful children from the eternal consequences of their sin. But Adam and Eve suffered punishment by being banished from the Garden of Eden. From then on, they faced all kinds of hardships in the world before they died. But God's plan to rescue the fallen applies to them as well. After God had chosen Abraham and his descendants, the Israelites, to be his people and the people through whom Jesus Christ would be born, they too failed over and over again, yielding to the temptation to only see what they lacked rather than seeing the great victory God had won for them in rescuing them from slavery in Egypt. But God did not give up on his promise to save the world from sin through their descendants. Forty years of failure in the wilderness, and now 40 days of success in the wilderness under the direct assault of Satan for you. Someone had to undergo everything the Israelites had done by allowing Satan to deceive them. That person will still come from the Israelites because of God's promise to them. It took a long time for Jesus to come into the world, but it was not a late arrival. It was all according to God's plan. Jesus came into this world to perform two main functions. The 40-day temptation was one of two. He had to do everything as God the Father wanted on behalf of not only the Israelites, but also for the whole world, for you and for me. 
His other function, of course, was for him to die on the cross to pay the ransom for all the sins of the whole world, past, present, and future. We are focused on the temptation today. Jesus had to be made like a human being, and in that state, to do everything that is required by God the Father. No other human being could fulfill this function because no other human being is perfect to do so. The writer to the Hebrews says this, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That is a great encouragement for us. When Jesus returned from the wilderness encounter, he began to proclaim the good news of God. Mark reports the good news as follows. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Mark doesn't tell us how long after Jesus had finished with the temptation before he began to preach, but he records the first words Jesus said. He does not separate repentance from the good news. I think that's important. The good news of Jesus Christ is not something that is just floating around in the air, but it is real good news because it does not allow you to do whatever you want, to live however you want, and claim that you believe the good news of Jesus Christ. Repentance and faith in the good news of Jesus is the only sure thing available to us that can stop our free fall into eternal separation from God and take us back to eternal life with him. That is his will and desire for us. Jesus was tempted for you. He won the victory for you. So whatever temptations you have fallen victim to in the past and whatever temptations you might fail to overcome in the future, do not throw your hands up in the air and say, it's no use. Come to Jesus with them. Come again and again. Repent again and again and believe what he has done for you. With his victory over temptation and his victory over death after being nailed to the cross and his resurrection to live forever and his promise to come again, you are his forever. You are a child of God. And though Satan will continue to tempt you, often in sneaky ways, remember that the victory of Jesus Christ over Satan in his 40-day temptation has been applied to you presently and it is yours forever. There is no better news than that. Amen.